welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This season, we are, of course, doing 1991, and I am joined by my two co-hosts with the most, Ryan and Mike. And gentlemen, tonight, we are picking the final four movies. Right this way, folks. Right this way. I'm sorry, Craig. It is SRO tonight. Um... There are so many guests here in studio for this wonderful occasion. I do think, and this is not my job. Like I'm a panelist. Mm-hmm. I would say co-host, um, but let's say chode host. I have to stage manage right now, and hooray for Hollywood should be playing through all the speakers in the auditorium. I do not know what's happening. I do yeah, apologize. It should be loud. Is that like hooray for Hollywood? Yeah, it's da, the, da, 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 Hollywood. Hooray! Good, that's a good question, Mike. But hooray for Hollywood is the song where the only lyrics anybody knows is hooray for Hollywood. All the boomers okay. and the groomers have come out tonight, ladies and gentlemen. All <laughs> to shine in the stars of Hollywood. <laughs> now, we've got a lot of great movies to talk about tonight. But every time we do it, we're also going to have to make one painful adjustment where we remove a movie. Oftentimes, we talk about not being ready for this. But it has been like 100 years since this season started. I have started. no emotional attachment to any of these <laughs> now. <laughs> Did we stop because... The 2021 best of the years. Yes. And then also the 11-year anniversary. Yep. Was that all in the 1991 Yeah, dude, this started like... what? I think this started (laughs) back in the summer. Yeah, it was like September, I think, where we started talking about 91, and it is almost September. We had to stop for the 11-year anniversary because everybody (laughs) knows what an important anniversary is. You got to get out there and celebrate the whole (laughs) 1-1. Fans, let us hear if we had skipped the 11th-year anniversary. Can people hear that at home? The booing? The, the, the rage? booing. They can definitely yeah. hear that. It rains out. Uh, something we sort of have to address, I think. There's a little bit of an elephant in the room. And you're probably at home wondering, wait a minute. I'm going to check the feed. Did I get all my episodes here? Oh, right. I know that. Hmm. Let's see. I've got Science of the Lambs. Yeah, it's in the feed. Uh, Listen to that seven times. Adam's Family. Yep, that's there. Make sure you got to get Cinema Classic Adam's Family. Right. <laughs> Uh, but there might be one missing, and it's called A Brighter Summer Day. And we had technical difficulties, which I think is kind of like a little bit of a patina on the show, a little bit of wear and tear that kind of gives us grit and makes us cool. Yeah, it's, it's real. It's punk rock. It's how we keep our indie cred. In, and in honor of A Brighter Summer Day, which came out in 1991 and then nobody could see till 2016, <laughs> uh, so, I'd say check though this feed in 25 years and then you'll be able to finally hear that episode. what if criterion puts out our episode with like a ton of special features <laughs> i hope they find a way to get rid of that buzz scorsese and t- and does a commentary over how it. they did it uh but is there anything we want to say about it i was i was blown away by it it, it was long it's very naturalistic the, it's non-actors it, acting it's done very well to so pull back the curtain a little bit um because this is still patreon right no. Never. Oh, shit. This is us with the regular... I gotta put on pants. Gen uh, pop, folks. We pushed this movie back probably six or two weeks. Like, yeah. we just kept moving it back because we didn't... We were so scared. Four hours, guys, yes. is so it's nerve-wracking. Um, you could watch all of the Batman and then start it over again and get some of it done. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the new way that math works. <laughs> how you track all the time. <laughs> um, but I don't know if we mentioned the length a single time on the episode because it's just okay mike did a little bit but mike <laughs> mike's also the one who deleted his files so i yeah deleted it. i was like i sound stupid this is done uh I, no I, i'll say it uh it's a put your phone out of the room just fucking watch it strap in 
Don't it's it's not it's not like oh, I'm gonna really have to think. It is a yeah fun movie about gangs and teenagers. Like fun might be the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Like it, it's not like it's engrossing. We've watched harder movies. Yes, it, this is not uh, Tarkovsky. I can't put my phone in the other room because uh, I have to film every movie I watch for my TikTok live audience. They <laughs> want to watch it with me, so I had to hold my phone up for four hours while watching this. But that's what I do for my fans. That's how your wrists broke. There are a lot of very interesting things in the movie. Uh, the the whole the whole premise of the movie is Chinese expats living in Taiwan in mm. the literal houses of the, where the Japanese like uh, conquerors used to live, and just this pastiche of all these cultures of all of this like different types of violence, all this lack of leadership, and how it trickles down and tears one family apart and creates this culture of of extremely violent extremely young kids um it there there are it it looks like hook in some scenes where there are 10 year olds fighting full-on adults but the full-on adults are also pretending they're 15 but it's not soapy it's not like this family fell apart because of slaps and affairs it's just the way that all families fall apart it's the way that all three of our families fall fell apart when we turn to the law i mean it was everybody so uh, in this movie brighter uh, summer day it's everybody so enmeshed in their own shit that like they can't be there for each other in the family right. unit. I mean, the dad literally just gets like arrested by the secret police and interrogated for days on end. And then when nothing comes of it, uh, he's just sent back to live with his family. And he's like, I'm not the same anymore. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, if you don't want to be busted by the secret police, don't tell other people's secrets. Uh, Greg, you said expat. Do you mean like Tom Brady? <laughs> now, it's possible that I said that on the actual show <laughs> yeah, and it never ever know. so i wanted to make sure i said it here but we were raves all around right like yes. we thought that yeah. there was a chance this could win movie of the year the major and now i think again legally i don't think it can that would be so unfair to the listeners okay and the one major big strike against it we'll talk about it later is like uh, what mike said right at the top which is who in 91 in america the country of record uh <laughs> who <laughs> even knew this movie existed well it's also it's pretty 1959 the vibes of the movie aren't that 91 a little obsessed i think should we have saved it for when we do movie of the year 1959 yes yeah now movies are did they come out in that time or did they take place in that time period (laughs) it's all breaking down it's all falling apart the movies we will be talking about tonight are silence of the lambs terminator 2 beauty and the beast a brighter coming day, a brighter summer day. Gosh darn it! I so many times I did not say even a brighter that's a technical day. difficulty. Brighter summer day. The Adams family, boy and boys in the hood. Oh, and Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Barton I do not have Fink. That drop. When we come back, we are going to talk about our first matchup, and we're going to make our first cruel cut. All right, gentlemen, it's time to make our first cruel cut. And I think all the characters in both of these movies would be really into that. It is number one seed, Silence of the Lambs, versus number eight seed, The Addams Family. Number now, eight was now, Adam's Family? Now might be a good time to talk about what goes into our decision-making process. We were all kids at the time, right? Is it going to be the movies that bowled over our 10-year-old selves? Is it going to be the movies that endure forever? Because depending on how you answer that question, it might give one of these two movies an edge. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, we should talk about the endurance thing and stands the test of time, not just quality-wise. Like, didn't have a bunch of 
uh, racist, homophobic, misogynistic jokes. That's yeah, one way to stand to the test of time. Love movies that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other way is how much is it part of the conversation? And mm-hmm. you would be shocked to know how much Adam's family is still part of the conversation, particularly after watching it. <laughs> well, I, I think most people, I think the cultural consciousness really slams together the two Adam's family movies that count. Yeah. And I think Family Values is doing a lot of heavy lifting for the warm feelings for the Adams family. For me, I can't believe that Adams family is still so big now that they're like still in the process of rebooting it. And I can't believe how many of the actors and actresses are still out there killing it. My favorite part of the Adams family episode was uh, going over Christina Ricci's career and yeah, seeing that it's rocks. like, honestly, it's peaking again for like the 18th time. <laughs> With- she's, she's involved in a show called Wednesday. That's about to come out. I know. Right. Which is like her, her character like it's just gonna be hey what's just going on with wednesday but i think it's a new young whippersnapper playing wednesday and she's gonna be like a teacher she's the mentor she should be the new morticia right or i guess she doesn't have that same angelica houston slinky vibe no she's got her own christina ricci vibe in what universe would somebody who has a podcast like ours be like you know what science of the lambs Get out of here. Here's what you say, Greg. Uh, one, Silence of the Lambs is not talked about anymore. It's also shocking. You said it's shocking how much Adam's family is. It's shocking how little Silence of the Lambs is talked it about. It needs to be continued to talk about. And two, I think that if you were one of us three buttholes, but like a superior butthole. Oh, that would be so great. Gaping butthole. <laughs> how awesome would it be to swap this bad boy out with a new fresh one? <laughs> oh, man. No, they, none, smell. Of the, none of the wear and tear. They say you should change it out every 3,000 miles. <laughs> um, that... We are we're not anti Oscars. People put that on us. Yeah, you know, like yeah. our fan, our Reddit page is always like the message boards are on about that all the time. They were like, I when I was a kid, I dreamed, I dreamed so hard that one day the Oscars would be cool, and you guys have done that for us. And Silence of the Lambs was so like one of the most Oscar rewarded mm-hmm. movies of all time that maybe that gives us backlash, I guess. But I do think it's like I was gonna say SNL theory, but I don't think it's accurate. But the the bad opinion people have of the Oscars now is not always true. Case in point, Science of the Lamb was nominated for and won a fuck ton of Oscars back then, and Get Out was not. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah, kind of movie- Definitely not this year. The new Oscars would be like, hmm, nobody's in colonial clothes. No. Right. <laughs> Does your movie solve racism? No. Then we're not interested. I brought- While making white people look the best? <laughs> I pride ourselves, I pride us on not having the very limited thought process that the Oscars do, Mm -hmm. Uh, like Mike said, of colonial clothes. I am rotating a sphere in my brain as we speak. But (laughs) but I think that to say that uh, we can't vote for it because it won so many Oscars, that's as close-minded as the Oscars are. Oh, so. of course. Yeah. We that's when punk that. rock also becomes fascist. It's not like we watched Green Book and we were like, this got too many Oscars. We hate it. We were like, no. hey, I loved it even more. There's I not hate- enough Vigo Mortensen rolling up the uncut pizza and eating it like a big taco. <laughs> okay. I'm mad. That's why he should have won an award <laughs> for best <laughs> way to eat food in an Oscar. My complaint was that it was too much Vigo Mortensen and not enough Vigo from Ghostbusters 2. And if <laughs> it was him driving Mahershala <laughs> Ali around the city... That would have been or great. everybody's is- favorite from my girl Slimer. <laughs> <laughs> so Vigo from Ghostbusters two and Slimer from My Girl That's- driving around Marshall. I am there driving around in a hearse. Wait, is that the number one and number eight seed we're dealing with right now? Vigo and Slimer. Because <laughs> this is tough for me. I have to say, uh, is Science of the Lambs 
is it not talked about as much anymore because it kind of grew into other properties, some of which have been talked about. Like Hannibal, the show was real. I never watched a single episode, but people were into that. People show. were into it. But again, it's weird how this specific kind of property, other stuff lingers and is generally talked about. This is like it's hot and then it disappears until it gets hot again. Or I, is Clarice on CBS and nobody fucking talks about it ever? What I do hear a lot is, like over the last 20 years, let's say, is every once in a while you'll have somebody uh, writing an article or on a podcast being like, I just fucking watched Silence of the Lambs recently and holy shit. I hear that regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because we just assume. I think this is Oscar's fault. Like, if you win, you are stupid. And so mm-hmm. people then realize that it is a pitch perfect genre movie and not part of the pitch perfect genre mike that's how i'm not saying it's pitch perfect for you but don't want to see hannibal going zoom 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 stop zoom, doing zoom, a zoom. cup song mike <laughs> um but uh yeah it's just it's it's i think it's so shocking that there was a point where the oscars were like we will award a movie like this because it is much closer to the genre movies of its ilk than it is yes. the colonial clothes movies but 90, they're just so good and 91 was kind of a time for for like dumb dumb movies and Populism. so this is like this is the kind of movie that like feels smart without actually having all like the rigorous parts one of, of the main smart. characters is smart two of the main characters are pretty smart so one thing smart one thing i want to point out is uh i think more people actually die in the adams family movie mm. but it all yeah. takes place off screen and so it's well, somehow less horrific just in the intro of the Adams Family movie, more people yeah. die. The when boiling oil gets yeah, dude. On them. Uh, the kid, the kids cause a car accident halfway through. That sounds yeah, major. Yeah, sounds I mean, like you, a big car accident. You hear the horn. That like head <laughs> fell on the horn dead. You uh, hear a guy just yell out, "My wife! Oh God, my wife!" <laughs> it's fun. So Adams Family had more kills than yes. si- Silence of the Lambs and Terminator Two combined. <laughs> Higher body count for sure. For sure. And it fucked more people. Well, hopefully that helped you make your decision, <laughs> gentlemen. Mike, where are we going? What's moving on? Is it number one seed, Silence of the Lambs, or number eight seed, The Addams Family? Wait. I, I can't wait, Mike. Oh, I see. You're doing hit character Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. Yes, this is Clarice Starling. <laughs> yes, sir. She was a big person. Uh, she's a burger, yes, sir. Ryan, do you agree with Mike, or are you furious instantly? Uh, this is one of the best movies we've watched versus one of the worst movies we've watched. It's Silence Ryan of the Lambs. Ryan hates Silence of the Lambs. Or, <laughs> as Mike called it earlier in a furious <laughs> bout of excitement, Science of Lamb. Science of Lamb? <laughs> Nobody's studied the Science of Lamb before. Science of Lamb is moving on. When we come back, our first Mooty of the evening. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That superhero show show 
That's Movie of the Year, and that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye. It's honestly, it's all fun and games getting to pick which movies are the the best movies of any given year. But really, I think there's something extra special to uh, giving out these awards, giving out the Moody's to the people who deserve them most. And the first one we are doing is Best Supporting Actress. I did. Uh, I did look at the numbers for who has been to the studio recently to pick up their awards from all of our previous seasons, and we still have them all. So, please come on down. Please get the award tonight if you win. Collecting and Ryan, induced. Am I reading all of uh, all of the nominees here? No, those are not the nominees, Greg. I have the nominees. You have the nominees, Ryan. I'm going to throw to you. Who are our nominees? We're going to first start with who was not nominated, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> what a clean system we have here. <laughs> Uh, Mike, this is this. If you are a Patreon listener, you know that this is the second time she's been mentioned. Mike, Halle Berry from The Last Boy Scout was not nominated. Is that a surprise to you? I yes and no. Yes, because she was fucking phenomenal and I think really elevated the kind of role, especially for so early in her career. But no, because I don't know. The Oscars hate women of the street, and they think strippers are hookers. Women of the street. So, uh, yeah, I get that. But more than that, I think Last Boy Scout was not a real bracket movie, and maybe even if we don't want to be the stuffy bow tie wearing Oscars, maybe maybe that came into play. But I I'm infuriated. Will, I think we will all be uh, shocked and pissed by how few nominations the Last Boy Scout got. <laughs> uh, we should point out that um, despite only the eight being eligible for movie of the year, all fifteen of the movies we did this year are eligible for awards. So, Mike. Your first nominee for Best Supporting Actress from Boys in the Hood, it's Angela Bassett. Yeah, she, okay. Talking about people who elevated their role, uh, I don't think Angela Bassett had much to do uh, as the mom. She was the mom, right? I'm not kidding. Boys in the Hood was yes. three years ago in real time. Yeah, but <laughs> she was the mom, yeah. Uh, but the, the just, yeah, the, the, amount, the amount of energy and passion she put into every line for her short screen time, uh, there's so much interiority she created, and when her and Fury had that lunch together, uh, such a fucking good scene. Yeah, part of such an interesting relationship the, mm-hmm. that that couple that like obviously didn't work, and so they're not together. But like, they don't totally not work either. Yeah. Oh, you want to? But like, the thing is too is that you can't. Sometimes it doesn't work out when you have kids when you're super super young. Yeah. Because watching that uh, that restaurant meeting that they have to figure out what to do about Trey. They are now adults. They yeah, are right. adult ass adults, and that isn't who had that baby. Exactly. Imagine weird uh, mistakes you made when you were a kid. Then you have to raise them every night before I fall asleep. I do. Greg. <laughs> Stop having so much unprotected sex, Mike. Never Greg, will. I- you are very cool for that, though. Yeah, no, it, it is needs awesome. to be said. <laughs> Raw dog in these streets. <laughs> Greg, the next nominee is Jamie Lee Curtis from My Girl. Wow. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis stealing the show, really, and stealing all of our hearts. Is it always believable that she is uh, driving so hard for Dan Aykroyd while he does everything he can to save his uh, chastity? Is it believable that the script was written by a man? It's believable (laughs) when we see Jamie Lee Curtis do it. She is transcendent and amazing. Is Uh, it believable when uh, he falls in love with her like Slimer does with so many trays of hot dogs? (laughs) (laughs) I also really like the way uh, she raises little uh, Veda Sultanfuss or the way she interacts with her. Uh, It's just like, yeah, this girl's going to kind of give me a hard time. I get it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm an adult and I will remember that every second. Uh, 
How many step parents are like, you have one shot, and if you're mad at me a single time, you're I'll done. Fucking end you. <laughs> like, like, like the step parents all the way back. It's a classic fairy tale. Yeah. Like, that's like the <laughs> biggest step parent move ever. The next nominee, Greg, is Judy Davis from Barton Fink. Uh, I went back and watched Judy Davis's parts because I was like, I didn't quite, she didn't stand out a ton. And I realized it is because she's only in the movie for like 20 minutes um, mm. before something very surprising happens. And the movie takes a completely different direction. But uh, as like somebody who is broken down and beaten, but also wants people to know that she's the creative force behind a presumably great man and like can't keep that from poking out around the sides you're just getting her story and the the performance by judy davis is so subtle that you don't expect she's suddenly not going to be there anymore right. and i think that she that, seems like it seems like it will be a two-hander she's building something <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> she's building something uh and that really helps like anchor the surprise um when when she ends up like dead and in, in Suddenly, like what seems to be the climax for the character. Also, what a boring role to, um, typically, to be like the eye roller to all of the idiot men around yeah, you. Yeah, right. But you want to talk about elevating a role? A thing that Mike has said three times in this segment alone. Uh, she, I, she should have been like a superstar. She should have three Oscars. Yeah, it's unfortunate for her. I think she probably could have taken this down if the character had had twenty to Maybe thirty more minutes of screen time. Yeah, well, keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> Mike, your next nominee is Christina Ricci from The Addams Family. She's like eight when she made this movie. And for a kid actor to understand what playing it low, like like to play and and to have deadpan and no comedic timing and to the point that she... Deadpan. What what was the fucking story we all knew and told each other? What did they call it? A live pan? It's it's an alive pot, I think, is actually what The Addams Family (laughs) would call it. Uh but yeah, she owns this. She owns this entire movie. She she is gunning for Raul Julia and uh, Angelica Houston for star of the movie the whole time. I think the story is that um, there was some twist where Christopher Lloyd, like the two Uncle Festers were not the same person. Right, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and the whole cast disagreed. But somebody has to go tell the producers, let's send Christina Ricci in. Oh, she's because a small child. If you sent Pugsley in, man, there would have been two different Uncle Festers in that movie. Uh, spoiler alert. Pugsley is not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. What? We'll get there later. Yeah. He's better in Adam's Family Values. We Everybody is, Mike. We know. Greg, the final nominee is from A Brighter Summer, summer Day. It's Lisa Yang. Lisa Yang. Now, um, she's like the 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 girlfriend, the one. The like, object of the everybody's ingenue. affection. Yeah, kind of everybody's obsession with her keeps this universe sort of churning. And she's, she's the Thanos. Yeah, and she's just trying to she's just trying to get by and get through the day and ultimately not be caged. This is one where like I think the character is very interesting. The performances in this movie are hard to judge. Um, hers maybe especially because they dubbed all of her right. audio because she's American and she couldn't speak um, Mandarin well enough. Uh, and I don't know why I I just care about that. I can't stop caring about it mm. on some level because like you don't hear her actually deliver any of those lines, but that's not, that's only one part of acting. And she fits into this very naturalistic movie extremely well, where like you can tell she doesn't have any training as an actress and that doesn't inhibit her in any way. She it delivers a strong performance. And man, watch the camera clock, the screen time, like the director is obsessed with her and it gets us mm-hmm. to be. And it's because we're, you know, trying to be all these dudes that are around her, but she's so 
The director's so obsessed with her that there's a director in the yes, movie. I was and just going to say that. That guy gets obsessed with her. He's like, he's so excited to see her. And he's like, please come back. Please go back and be in our movie. Your nominees for Best Supporting Actress are Angela Bassett from Boys in the Hood, Jamie Lee Curtis from My Girl, Judy Davis from Barton Fink, Elaine, or I'm sorry, Christina Ricci from The Addams Family, and Lisa Yang from A Brighter Summer Day. And I will now open the envelope. Ooh. Mike, who do you think it is? Oh, Should I say that? No, shush. I'm doing oh. that. You ripped right through the note. <laughs> That's my pants. <laughs> do you want to do the envelope now? All right. And the winner is Lisa Trumbo, Yang, Trumbo, A Brighter Trumbo, Summer Trumbo, Day. Trumbo. Yeah. Uh, again, maybe a little bit of a shame that we <laughs> lost this episode, but you should really see this movie if you want to see one of the greatest movies ever made. And her performance and a lot of the other performances are are the reason why you forget that you're watching a movie a lot of times with them. Hey, asshole! Watch the movie and record your own podcast. All right, yeah. we can't do it Stop for everything. Trying to make us do it. First Dick off, cheese. sorry to insult you. Second of all, please don't start your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. no there's too many. <laughs> we <laughs> will send you $5 if you don't do it. <laughs> we'll send you $5 a month. We'll kick that Patreon <laughs> right back out the door just to stop competing podcasts. When we come back, we get to our next matchup. Our next matchup is number four seed Thelma and Louise, which beat L.A. Story, La Belle Nuise, and Paris is Burning. That's a, that's a lot of impressive victories versus number 12 boys in the hood which beat hudson hawk <laughs> poor hudson hawk born to lose uh my girl and my own private idaho hey hudson hawk you made the top 64 you should send us a thank you note <laughs> so this is uh one of the biggest movies of the year well two of the biggest movies of the year but uh one of them had to take down like some of the stiffest competition in 91 and the other one basically waltzed to this matchup and yet still they're two of the greatest movies of now, 91. And also uh, kicked off two, sorry, by two trends. We we got girl boss violence and uh, like inner city drama just coming out of our ears after these two hits. Okay, good. That helped me. I was going to say, now, Greg, I got so distracted by the list of movies you gave that I forgot what was actually <laughs> fighting. But Ryan's description of trends really helped me pin it down that we are doing Hook and Terminator 2. <laughs> So definitely two of the biggest movies, as Ryan said, had some of the biggest impact. But putting all so putting that aside, because it sort of cancels it out, which was the better viewing experience that you were more excited about, Mike? I, I similar personal histories with both these movies, had not seen them, but had seen the Simpsons version of all mm-hmm. of them, right? Like like these I, maybe it's just nineteen ninety one was a time period where like all these movies you just know from culture. Yeah. Even if you haven't seen them, you know, I was uh, a big reader of Mad Magazine. So oh, especially, uh, especially with R-rated <laughs> movies, I would like closely study the Mad Magazine send-ups, and I would be like, "What do you think really happens in this movie?" You know, how, <laughs> Alfred E. Newman gonna score this one? <laughs> when we do every uh, season, we do like mixtape and I don't know what we do box office battles or whatever. Those uh-huh. like, should we do Simpsons versions of all the movies and review those as well? Yes. Because you know they're out there, right? There's 766 episodes. I mean, when we did Terminator 2, we talked about like pop culture, like what was our favorite pop culture references. And I watched like an eight minute clip of The Simpsons of just all the different times. They they have like, they have three or four episodes that the episodes themselves are just references to Terminator 2. And then within other episodes, there are multiple references. Circling back then (laughs) to to the movies we're actually talking about. Terminator 2. So Terminator Two, uh, I this sucks. This all sucks. This always sucks having it. But I, Thelma Louise, 
uh, I think if you're saying what is the better viewing experience, I, I was fucking floored by like any road trip comedy. You're like, all right, well, how much could a road trip comedy actually be great? And it just one of the, the, the greatest adult movie viewing experiences of my life. I think that a lot of times when it comes when it's this close, you know, and this iconic and so many powerful moments between the two. I, for me, so much of it comes down to uh, this was John, one of John Singleton's first movies, if not his very first movie. Mm-hmm. And Thelma and Louise, for some reason, got Ridley Scott, who is already an established master. Yeah. And you can feel that the whole time. I love Boys in the Hood. I couldn't believe how, like, watching it for this season, realizing how many times I had seen it in my past. But it is it can get a little sloppy. And Thelma and Louise is just fucking stitch perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. First of all, I have to agree with the boys in the hood that it, it's a little sloppy. It's also a little obvious sometimes. It gets some cheesy on it. Uh, I think the biggest strike against it is that you forget how long in boys in the hood they're kids. Mm-hmm. But, dude, they're kids for a lot of the movie. And the movie yeah. is clunky in that time. Including just like it's not just the child actors, but just its general presentation is is clunky. Um, Thelma and Louise has clunky scenes, but it delivers so many moods that I was not expecting as somebody who had not seen it before, but had sort of like gleaned what it was like from the zeitgeist. It's so dreamy and so Mm -hmm. weird near the end. And there are a couple scenes I would lop out, but seriously, it's what it's going against is a movie that has like 45 minutes of kind of dull material that finally gets you to what you think of as the movie. But, I, I mean, so, yeah, I think that that's the case for both movies. But when you're done with the movie, you look back and you were like, I enjoyed the dull parts. I just didn't understand. This is for me, not for you, Greg. Don't. don't you're not saying my thought process. No, don't, ta- don't try okay. to take my thoughts. These no, are my say thoughts. each other's. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you're done with it, you're like, I enjoyed the 45 minutes or the, you know, the moment and would not feel the way that I do about these characters if it wasn't for all of that bonding time. Boys in the Hood has the same thing. Um, I just think that... I think that what we have is a, uh, uh, a master director in the making, or a great director in the making, with a pretty good script that sometimes goes between, damn, this is great, and damn, this is uh, Hallmark Channel. And then, right. and then we have a already established master director with, and this is a first-time screenwriter, uh, Callie Corey, with a... That's it, the script is where it all is. I think we talked about this on the show, but like how mi- how much information we're being delivered in what seems like a let's go buy popcorn on a Friday night rom com uh-huh. uh, is is so impressive to me. Yeah, they, they put so much power into single lines, and I mean, if we're just doing pound for pound, cast for the cast, Thelma Louise has it. And also, Thelma and Louise only had 10 minutes of little Thelma and little Louise on the playground. (laughs) Being like, we're going to drive a car off a cliff one day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, if anything, two Thelma and Louise, um, it like... Two Thelma, two Louise? A little two Thelma and maybe a little bit two Louise. I think that that movie is actually more optimistic about men than it would be if it came out now. And I think that's part of... I. There's a lot of, of parts that... Um, a lot of things that Louise says that I don't quite understand in the movie. Uh, Susan Sarandon keeps saying, like, 
hey, when you're like forcing a woman to have sex with you, she's not enjoying it, just so you know. And I finally uh-huh. realized why she keeps saying that. It's because she doesn't understand that men are actually as awful as they are. And she thinks, if I could just explain to them, hey, we don't like it when you treat us this way, that men would be like, oh my God, really? Holy shit. I'm so sorry. I never thought of that. But that, that's her, that is her honest belief. But the truth is, the men know they just don't give a shit. Yeah. And the they've fact they've never cared or thought about it before. The fact that it, the world is darker than her mm. vision of it, it is just so powerfully upsetting. What I thought you were going to say is that Thelma and Louise is more optimistic towards men than Boys in the Hood is. And we have Furious Styles mm. in the center of it trying so hard to like be this pillar, be this like lead by example, and yeah. also preach all at the same time. Like he is a pastor of this movie, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a point For where sure. he takes his son and his friend to a billboard or to like a housing unit. And then all of a sudden the camera turns around and there's like 60 people just, just gathers a community because <laughs> his, his preaching is so powerful. They just stop running errands or whatever they're doing with their day. But like, I think part of the uh, point of the movie is that ice cube dreams of being furious or dreams of being Trey, mm. but is pulled down by these other people who don't even think about being Trey or being right. furious, you know, and, how I, I uh, men are a much scarier place than boys in the hood. Well, I don't want to say that, but well, men, men are bad all around. I no, but Inside. I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying. Some of like the monologues by Ice Cube about like the valuelessness of women. I mean, that's that, yeah. that, that that's very explicitly but like that's how every male character in Thelma and Louise is, except for Brad Pitt and uh, Harvey Keitel, and even they're bad. Brad Pitt is just a clean criminal. Like, yeah, yeah. I meant everything I said. I just got to take your money because it's right fucking there. Harvey Keitel, however, he's a patronizing. He seems good. But again, yeah. when it's raining out, he tries to like play grab ass with one of his coworkers, and I will never get over that. <laughs> all right. Well, what is it going to be? That are you saying that when they when they all like race each other up to that yeah. door? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Children. You are FBI agents or whatever. Could we act like it? Mike, is it number four, Thelma and Louise, or number 12, Boys in the Hood? I'm going to have to give it to Thelma and Louise. Ryan, do you agree? I do, yeah. All right, Thelma and Louise moving on. When we come back, we'll talk about best supporting actor. Well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps... We have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Ryan, I'm going to turn this over to you. I realize I have the envelope, but you have all the... All the all the the best actor nominees, and so I'm gonna turn it over to you. I'm gonna let you tear the envelope, even though I really enjoyed that last time. It's the checks and balances at the Pop Filter yeah, Studio, yeah, dude. We don't want you to get crazy with power. Uh, Greg, you know who was not nominated? Hmm, I'm going to say not nominated was Damon Wayans. That is true. All right, I got it. But it was a rhetorical question. Uh, oh. Cheng Kuo Cho, the father from A Brighter Summer Day, was not nominated for wow. this award. Wow, that's rough. That's rough for him. He, I thought, did a, a great job. They made him sit on a big block of ice for part of it. Greg, your first nominee is the aforementioned Furious Styles from Boys in the Hood, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, I, you know, I guess when I think of Lawrence Fishburne, I think, of course, of Morpheus. And that's a very interesting character. And I talked about Morpheus for a long time, but we already did that in the, the 99 show when we talked about The Matrix. But this is like a legit, amazing performance. And he 
become somebody in this. And Furious Styles is the most interesting part of this entire movie. Yeah, if if you're a, a kid, which we all are, well, I call us all kids uh, of our age or younger, you really don't remember him being just a powerhouse of an actor. Uh, not to shit on him on his in his big moment, because this is probably the best moment of mm. his career. He's gone a little Al Pacino. He's a little like, Wah! we forgot how subtle and amazing and powerful he can be. Yeah. But he's given we all We forgot because he forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, the next nominee was Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Wow. <laughs> the I... I didn't expect this. One of the no moments one, from, no one predicted this, right? Well, but, well, that he would be nominated, but also that one of the things I cannot stop talking about is the nuances of the T one thousand performance. Yeah. The the amount of like work trips and meetings I've been on, and for whatever reason, I decide I could definitely pretend that this is Jermaine to talk about how he learned how to run without breathing through his <laughs> mouth, like and that he had he had run Eddie Furlong's moped, like he. <laughs> He did a lot of hard work and dedication without being a dick uh, to become the T-1000 in real life. And honestly, you know within like the first scene that this is a bad robot. Like yeah. he, he does such a good job seeming crazy even before he starts knifing people right. in the face. And I, I think you need to give a little respect. I When I was turning in my ballot, I found I was like, I moved him down. And then when I got a lot other things set up, I was like kind of nudging him back up, mm-hmm. nudging him back up. Because... He did do a good job. I don't. I know we normally don't do this. So he he was my number one with a shining silver stabby bullet hand. Okay, well now we know why. That second part doesn't mean anything. Just everybody knows you can't vote with a shining stabbing bullet hand and think that that means anything. They never stopped me at the polls. Greg, your next nominee is Pop Filter Hall of Famer John Goodman. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, I rewatched some Barton Fink scenes preparing for this show. And the amount of times Al Goodman goes, well, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. It's so good. <laughs> and his whole switch from like, ah, oh, gosh, ah, oh, shucks, to just like the face of the devil. The, and the devil. A- <laughs> agent of the apocalypse. Uh, it gives you the full range of John Goodman, which is he's always so mm-hmm. huggable and yeah. loving and wonderful. But he it starts with Dan Connor, but it's in all his other performances. It's just like, oh, there's violence in here. And then you're like, oh, he's a big dude. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't want this guy to be upset with you because he's huge. And he gives you, I think everything he has is in this movie. I think everything he has of performance shows up in Barton Fink. Yeah, everything from Sully from Monsters, Inc. to the mm. dude from 10 Cloverfield Lane. It's a he lot of it the all. dude from 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> no, where yeah. like, at first, you're just like, oh, here's a weirdo. And then by the end of it, you're like, oh, no, he's not just a weirdo. He's a violent idiot. I remember when I saw that movie, I was just like, wow, I didn't know John Goodman could do that. That's so scary. And watching this, I'm like, oh, they were just like, hey, remember him and Barton Fink? Let's make him do that again. But Okay, but can we can we all agree that no character of his is as scary as John Connor when John Connor's upset? From, From Terminator? From Roseanne. Not John Connor, Dan, Dan Connor. Connor. Oh, I want to see John uh, Goodman's yeah, yeah. John Connor. <laughs> but Dan Connor, when he's upset, is oh, the scariest oh, yeah. character. Because <laughs> dads are the scariest character in our lives. He pushed David around a bunch because David was fucking his daughter. Um, and then at one point, do you remember when Fisher beat up Roseanne's sister? And oh, then God. he just left to kick the shit out of him. I'm going to go kill Fisher. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> quip, quip, boom. <laughs> Uh, my next somebody is Wong Chizan from A Brighter Summer Day. He played Cat. 
Of course he played Cat. You don't have to tell me. I'm in love with this little kid and his talent. He's uh-huh. amazing. He He's the, the heart and soul of this fucking movie. And his earnestness and all he wants to do is sing, but there's gangs all around him. I love, like, people are complex. And he's like, look, man, I want to record a record, but I have these knives. I'll use whatever I need to to get out of this fucking village. <laughs> yeah, and, cat. like, watching him work, watching him talk to people, they always are like, okay, Cat's a little... A little clever, so I'm gonna watch out for him. And still, he breaks people yeah. down and gets them to do what they want. And I sings like an absolute angel. Because the age range is all over here, he does look like an eight year old, but he's probably like they all are fifteen year olds. So I do think all of them treat him like ah, it's just that little kid. And yeah. so he just runs the room and, and use it to your advantage for sure. Don't yeah. be ashamed that you're short. He's Ta- not. Tall people are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he does look so little though. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Greg, do we have one more nominee? Wait, <laughs> Who could wait, it be? Do we have one more? Now, uh, much like the Oscars, Anthony Hopkins is not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> I don't know if that was kosher, but Ted Levine from Silence of the Lambs is, Greg. Uh, certainly an enduring performance. Um, we see him mostly as like the, the killer version of himself. Uh, and then we also get little snippets of him as the like obviously kind of like loner, um, mm-hmm. and I, I there's a lot of a lot of room in there, and then as like the the, the vicious part of him, um, I think Patrick Swayze from Point Break and Ted Levine from Sons of the Lambs are just same character, two different paths. <laughs> like, oh shit! Just the just the surfer kind of long haired guy who I also commit crimes. Imagine a Thelma and Louise style movie. Just with these two long-haired dudes driving across the country. Okay, Mike, you keep pitching the 1991 Avengers, and I'm <laughs> so into it. But uh, like, if you only judge a performance by its effect on you, then I definitely think he could walk away with it. He he is like deceptively tall and like knows how to like crap. Maybe it's the camera work and the director, but I feel like he knows how to, to control the different rooms he's in. Uh, yeah, he he's a creep, and I wish Ted Levine was in more things. The only things I know off the top of my head are this and Fast and the Furious. There are moments, maybe I'm a little uh, silly for saying this, but there are moments I felt like watching it this where you almost pitied him, mm. and I had never felt that before, but Ted Levine is the one that's putting that yes. in there. You know, it's I've always found the character, obviously, so uh, Buffalo Bill, so intimidating and awful and everything, but this is the first time watching it that I was like, he's pitiable, too, because he is a prisoner of this weird compulsion he has. He feels mm-hmm. bad when he's like, put the lotion in the thing. He doesn't want to look at her because they're right. not just cattle to him. They're, they He does recognize that these women are like folks. This movie does something n- I, I, no slasher or other like normal human grounded horror movie does where there's a human and empathy within the killer in a, in a subtle and amazing way. And you don't like it as a viewer. Like you're not oh, actually no. looking you're for like, that. Oh, yeah. No, you're not looking wanna, to align yourself I just with this I hate dude. him. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier that way. There's a point where he asked a, a future victim to help him put a couch in a truck. And there's a moment where he's like, Oh, this could have been one of my friends, but no, nah, I'm just going to kill her. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, they had the very way he attracts people is to get them to do him a favor. That's got to feel bad. You're not, Excuse me. Your nominees are Lawrence Fishburne from Boys in the Hood, John Goodman from Barton Fink, Ted Levine from The Silence of the Lambs, Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and Wong Chizan, A Brighter Summer Day. A stronger crop of nominees we may have never had before, Greg. Yeah, I'm going to be disappointed no matter who wins, and that's that's a good feeling, Ryan. That's award season, baby. <laughs> Who's it going to be? 
Oh, okay. I was going to let you tear the envelope, but you know what? You lost your opportunity, bud. Jump no, in no, there no. and do it. We have to check some balances. Are there checks in one of these? Yeah. Don't rip it. This check is void. It's been ripped. All right. Opening up. It's John Goodman, Barton Fink. Congrats. Maybe the other four will become pot filter Hall of Famer someday, but Yeah, good luck. I mean that's that's a you don't even have to do politicking. That's a early and easy leg up for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations to you, John Goodman. As long as you're on angry, come on down and get the award anytime you want, big guy. And when we come back, our next matchup. We are back with our next matchup. It's number two, Terminator 2, Judgment Day versus number 10, Barton Fink. Terminator 2 beat Frankie and Johnny. What about Bob and JFK? Barton Fink beat Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Damn. Slacker, and Robin Hood. So I'm going to say this is the first real trial for either one of these movies. Yeah, they both oh, had interesting you. journeys. Yeah. Uh, Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead should have been in the top eight. And what about Bob? Should what not a, have been. What about Bob? Um, either one of these movies would have like knocked off amazing competition on its way here. And instead, they both just waltzed yeah, this to this mm, matchup. This is what makes people think our system is rigged. But sorry, randomness is random sometimes, listeners. Well, yeah. when it comes to... I mean, like they say about God, when it comes to the movies in 1991, God does not give us 64 hands. <laughs> He has, Though he, he has he, them. He, yeah. But, but he, 63 of them are in his pockets. And his pockets cool. are his butts. But number, t- number two, Terminator 2 Judgment Day versus number 10, Barton Fink. This, I think, gives us a chance to explore, like, what do we mean by movie of the year? What's the bigger movie of the year? Obviously, Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. What's Financially, like the- culturally, historically. But let's talk about Barton Fink. But let's say a couple things about Barton Fink. Arguably, like, I mean, arguably a better movie that sets a higher bar and maybe achieves it. I think that Barton Fink is definitely a better movie. I think that Barton Fink is uh, an achievement in many of the things in movies that I'm looking for. To call it a better achievement in the history of film is hard because of all the CGI that was Mm -hmm. used in Terminator, but also... Isn't that the same thing as calling the jazz singer yeah. a uh, achievement in film? Is that, what, is that really what you're going to say, Ryan? I think that the Terminator 2 is the jazz singer. singer you're going to be the jazz R- singer Ryan's guy? Ryan's very pro-robot, so he doesn't like Terminator <laughs> 2. <laughs> um, but man, Terminator 2 is like so exciting. And it's not, it's not a bad movie. It's not a slouch. No, it's, it's, it's another I'll take your genre and fucking own it. And I would say in both of them... Like looking back and in, in in the hindsight, watching them, uh, there are moments in both that you're like, oh, that was kind of lame. Like it's not like one is filled with it and one is not. Like Barton Fink, the end is, I think, falls a little flat. And Terminator Two, anytime they're like, let's show the post-apocalyptic future, is like, you cheese dicks, you don't need to do that at all. <laughs> okay, I d- I disagree with both. I mean, I agree that both of them, neither one is perfect, but I disagree with both of those things. Yeah, I, I know, think- I know you do. And yeah. I think I'm I think I'm all the way to I disagree with you, Ryan, and uh, both the movies are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so how about everyone go fuck themselves? <laughs> so these won't both move on. I have to say, one thing I'm personally gonna be unmoved by is the the technical a- achievement or or what I understand why it's important. For me though, it's not gonna go into movie of the year because this year, nineteen ninety one, proved to me that computers were a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's like Skynet. because right, okay. But also <laughs> another net that people keep getting grasped into. An- oh. Yet another net. Good job, man, Ryan. I owe you a point. Remind me of that. Um, but you know, like now when CGI is used in movies, it's usually one of the worst things that's happening on the screen at that moment. And so I'm unmoved by like the fact that this helped usher in the end of what was like the greatest era of practical effects mm-hmm. of all time. I was see the movie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> I was watching uh, the latest episode of Moon Knight on my iPad, and I was like, wait, does that, did that look cool? Hold on. <laughs> and so I watched it in like a better light on a better screen. I was like, no, it did not. It did not look cool. <laughs> it looked totally fake. Yeah. I mean, it's basically come all the way around now, and every movie to me looks like Wizard of Oz. Like Every movie to me looks like somebody standing in a small room where they painted most of what's going on, and then you just have to like not focus on those parts of it you just focus on the characters who are also made of like this weird gloss just nickelodeon gack <laughs> with <laughs> eyes i feel like every year much like we have a spot for like the uh super artsy movie that we had never heard of before this year being brighter summer day uh we also have this spot for like the undeniably uh popular yeah. blockbuster so i'm thinking of the matrix Although in '99, Phantom Menace did not make the top eight, believe it or not. Uh, I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings. A what's the first one called? The Fellowship. Fellowship of the Ring. Um, <laughs> you got it, Greg. <laughs> Greg. Uh, a movie that I was not excited about, but I think all three of us were like, "Dude, that's that's good. That's man. pretty yeah. fucking it's good. A good time. Good time in the movie." Uh, and Terminator Two did that same thing of just like, uh, I mean, we want to like we want these artsy fartsy movies, but th- these movies are, for lack of a better word, undeniable. It's hard to argue, but the problem is with me is that uh, that Barton Fink is so that you can still see the paint by numbers with James Cameron, somebody who I drafted onto my director team. Um, I, I, it, I, you know, I love it, but like it's still there in such a way where the Coen brothers never, ever have that. Even their failures are more interesting. I mean, Terminator 2 is, let's be real, a remake. You know, it's yeah. it came from that uh, era of like Terminator Two, um, Evil, Evil Dead, Dead Two, Desperado, where filmmakers were Two. just remaking their low budget movies with a bigger budget, right. and that's not how Barton Fink feels to me at all. It doesn't feel like Barton Fink is a remake of the Terminator. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean John Goodman is a Terminator. Yeah, dude, kind of. He's coming down that fire hallway. But yeah, I mean the Coens in general, why they're some of the greatest directors ever is every movie feels like they're like, we're going to try a new thing. Like they don't redo. I would love to see, watch them redo the lady killers. Also, uh, or true grit is also a remake. Yeah. (laughs) But they're not redoing themselves. I mean, right. Since the thrust of this podcast is talking about movies. Sometimes when we watch the movies, we really like, we kind of see their like film crimes a little bit. And I have to say one that really stood out in Terminator two is there's just two instances that we talked about on the show of like, out of nowhere voiceover yeah. <laughs> like literally just out of nowhere she just suddenly starts addressing the audience and it's to say things that the shot is also saying yeah like one of them is as just we drove t- down this dark road i realized things were dark <laughs> one of them is the, is the terminator standing without moving by a oh, window yeah. as like it goes from night to day back to night again or, or the opposite of that and she's like he would never move or leave because he would just stand there even if a lot of time passed by and he would look out that way. and it's like no we we got that. We're watching that happen right now. Because, and I think that's where we're at in the process, right? Is we're kind of finding the cracks in the yeah. armor. And I think that that's what makes James Cameron James Cameron is. Like, that's why he's so famous. 
and beloved and hated is that there's so, there's so many people who love him because thank you for holding my hand mm. throughout all this. And there's yeah. there's so many people who would love him more, even more, that if he just didn't do that. I Okay, but the one thing I always like to say in a moment like this, uh, because this is feels like for both of these movies, maybe the stiffest competition they potentially will face in, in, in the bracket. Uh, imagine you are saying to somebody, 1991's movie of the year, Barton Fink, and then they say back to you, I don't know what that is. Does that hurt in any way? Does that mean we did a bad job? No, because then just all you and your friends hop in the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> the chant writes itself. <laughs> I because that's giving me I that is giving me a little bit of pause. Like not for Barton Fink. There are yeah, other I movies we may think, talk yeah. about that that might be the case yeah, that we're okay. gonna have to address. But for Barton Fink, I think it has become such a big deal. The it's to- grown, right? Like maybe it wasn't big in ninety one, but it has since grown. Yeah, and it, it also feels like, because we don't want to be the up your butt, oh, you haven't watched Mirror kind of podcast, but we also, I don't, we're, we're, we're kind of that perfect middle, and I think, I don't I think, don't necessarily not want to be up yeah. anybody's butt, just putting that out there. Shh, but in a, in a rude way. Oh, uh, never in a rude way. But I, I think listeners of our show will have heard of Barton Fink. <laughs> Certainly because of the drop pad. I think <laughs> listeners to the show will have heard of it quite if a bit. If you are a regular listener and this is the first you're hearing yeah. anything, what is this? you Barton stop multitasking. Well, talk about stop. Talk about running out of road. It's time to pick one of these two movies to move on, but conversely, also one of them will be Dunsky forever. Why is this a zero-sum game? Both move on. Both move on. You know that's not how it works, Ryan. You designed the entire movies <laughs> of the year. All right, so Ryan, I'm going to throw to you first because I know that's what you want. Is it number two, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, or number 10, Barton Fink? Number 10, number 10, number 10. I have to, like, I just, I love Terminator 2, but I just don't think that it has the impact. You know, I, I think that everybody watching Terminator 2 likes it. They think it's awesome. But, like, I think Barton Fink is a, one of those movies that changes you. Yeah, right? Like, you watch Terminator 2, and you're like, that was a great movie. You finish up Barton Fink, and you're like, I think I have a different perspective on things. Right. Mike, what do you say? I agree. I think Barton Fink is is phenomenal, and it'll make you rethink. And, and John Turturro, one of my favorite actors. Fucking love him. Uh, Dude. But if we're talking uh, a big part that we actually haven't mentioned, and normally at this point we've mentioned 30 times of what makes the movie the year movie of the year is 1991, and Eddie Furlong is just a non-cartoon 1991 Bart Simpson. Uh, it's so if Terminator Two wins because of Eddie Furlong. I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's it's. I think it's dope as hell. I've already talked about how much I love fucking Robert Patrick, and I think it's 1991 as hell. So Terminator Two Judgment Dave. I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, so that I could always have plausible deniability that I was not the person who literally made us vote out Terminator Two Judgment Day. But there are so many levels on which I am more excited by the movie Barton Fink, really, as like an adult now. Again, Holy shit, that is, is uh, that is crumb believable. That's <laughs> in 1991, Terminator Two changed my life as a young man. In 2021, probably <laughs> when we watched it, uh, <laughs> it was early pandemic. Barton Fink uh, definitely changed my life as an adult. And I'm all about adult Greg. So Barton Fink is moving on. Barton Fink. There is now a clear path for it to potentially be movie of the year. Terminator 2, by my hand. I love it. That's a hero's journey. Of the bracket. When we come back, 
we're going to get to the best sex you've ever heard. Now, the listeners at home, longtime listeners will know this, but um, we have each of us done sex, and two of us are actually pretty good at it. Um, you decide. You decide which two it is, but you know I'm one of them, right? And then probably Mike is the other one. Uh, Ryan. Ouch. <laughs> No, we all do good sex. I mean, you have a kid, Ryan, so you must be doing something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, scientifically, you're the only one who's doing it right. Yeah, and biblically, human. just because an <laughs> offensive lineman grabs a fumble and falls in the end zone does not make him good at football. <laughs> well, with that delicious image, Ryan, <laughs> what's some of the best sex? Now, hopefully, we got good sex this time. We never have good sex. Uh, no, we, we never not, have right? good sex, yeah. despite Greg's preamble. I think there was like one time where there was actually a hot scene that we ever got to talk about. Well, Thank you, American cinema. I love about uh, this category is it could be from like they curl their pinkies around each other to yeah. Joe Schmo tries to pin down a teenager. Like it's always like mm, I don't like any of this. Some of this is problematic. This is one of the only awards in Hollywood where uh, both words in the award, best and sex, do not mean anything and could be the opposite. So, <laughs> yes. You know, I realized recently. I'm I'm becoming an old man, and I'm I'm real sorry about it. But uh, I'm less into like sex scenes in in movies and shows now. Yeah. Now every time there's a sex scene, I'm just like, was everybody taking care of everybody yeah. on this? Was Who was like, on set? Was there a consultant? There on was. Set? I'm watching that show Tokyo Vice, and there's a scene where for no for well, act- first of all, Ansel Elgort is in it. There you go. Oh, right. He's a bad guy. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Well then it's even worse. Then <laughs> I feel even worse about it. But yeah, it's just like. So now I'm at the point where I'm like, couldn't they just leave that out? Oh, I've gotten old. I've well, gotten that very, is, very old. That is, I like that you're redefining what it means to be an old man when it comes to sex scenes, Greg. <laughs> because that I do not think is generations above us. How the- They just, they can't do it right. They can't do it in a way that doesn't harm people, so then they shouldn't do it. And why does the director have to be Michael Mann? Where is Michael Woman? Why can't he direct some episodes? Why, All right. Why not? Greg, your first nominee, and this is a weird one. Literally everything Morticia and Gomez say to each no, other. No, th- okay. This is the this. I hope this wins because <laughs> there is just so much electricity. And we're three married dudes. I have to say, like being married is not the way '90s television portrayed it. It's the way 1991's Adams Family <laughs> portrayed it. Cut me. Which, yeah, you are just smoldering for your spouse all the time, and it's it, it's fun. This is like so clean, so healthy. The only part of the Adams Family that I think really like crushes uh, it yeah is the how hot they are for each other and they found two perfect actors mm-hmm. to portray that there's a scene in the movie this is 40 where paul rudd's like brushing his teeth and he's like do you want to have sex tonight and leslie Mann's like "Ugh." <laughs> that's and doesn't she say i'm kind of constipated yeah and he's like uh and she's like well do you want to and he's like well now <laughs> <laughs> that is also pretty accurate that's <laughs> a great <laughs> it just vacillates between those that's two. a great read well now <laughs> mike this is a weird one uh sexy i guess realistic the way that high school works children work we're bringing up children in the best sex category uh and the way that plots work it's uh two people kiss by flashlight in the movie a brighter summer day i mean it's very dark there's only a flashlight. Uh, danger. It kind of is like the precipitating event for a lot of really yeah. terrible things that happen. And this is sexy. It, yeah, I mean, yeah, one <laughs> for its best use of sex in cinema, I think this crushes it because it causes the rest of the movie. Yeah. But also thinking about when if something is sexy, if you're at this age, being where you're supposed to be good and being bad and being there when you shouldn't be and it's just you and the person you're 
horned for. All of that is also sexy. I don't know if the movie captures that, but that's definitely like that's there. And again, this scene is like a flashlight going over them for one yeah. second. Oh, if you if this is the first time watching it, and I assume for most people it is, you don't realize that what you just saw is the catalyst for yeah. almost everything. Four the very hours of stuff happens because of this. I love how you guys are doing this so far because based on this Adams Family and Brighter Summer Day nominee, you both have said, if this doesn't win, fuck you. That's <laughs> just, you guys have to defend the nominees. You have to talk about Greg. Yes. Gaston rips his shirt. Okay. Revealing his hairy chest. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I, I am an almost entirely straight man. Uh, but this scene. Oh, from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, from Beauty and the Beast, of course. Uh, this scene has taken on like a second life. And I think that I am responding to it second life, which is a lot of people discovered things about themselves at like the ex- this exact moment. <laughs> oh, and I, something happened in my nethers. Yeah, right? <laughs> so a lot of people found out that they were straight or that they were gay at this exact moment. And I just think that's so beautiful. And Gaston obviously sucks. But the other thing is, the other thing is he's got a hairy chest, which like men being completely shorn I just I don't go I don't do it and so maybe I don't like it. Let's get a little hair up there, you know. Yeah. Gaston's a man. Very He's Tom just a grown Selleck adult man. Yes, yes, Tom Selleck, dude. This should be a thing like uh, Colin Firth first appearing in the TV adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, or Cameron Diaz wiping the rain off in The Mask. Mm-hmm. There are these like movie moments where you're like, well, I know what I like for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> rain, rainy Colin Firth. <laughs> uh, Mike. The next nominee is bar patrons see new Ar- nude Arnold Schwarzenegger and get straight horny in the film Terminator 2. <laughs> Hell yeah, they do, man. If Arnold at this time period, really any time period, walks into a bar naked, you're going to get straight horned. And this bar accurately does it. He's scary. His face looks like a murderer. He's moving like a murderer. And everybody's still just looking at that robot wang. The the Terminator franchise does almost nothing to explain time travel. It sets almost no rules for time travel. But there's one rule, my friends. You have to go through that thing fucking naked, okay? Does, does you could be tra- a human. You could be a robot. You're going you through will. naked, and we're going to peep those buns. You will be like, naked. Something will get destroyed. <laughs> even Lady Terminator from the third one, we peep those buns, okay? <laughs> if you're going through the thing, we're going to look at your butt a little bit. I love watching the moments where on this podcast, one of us is talking and the other two have a finger up waiting to talk <laughs> because we're so excited about the current topic. Now, do we know that does time travel kill the clothes, destroy them? Or if you even fucking You'll deign die. to wear clothes, you will get choked to death by clothes and die. That's a really good question if like someone's like, you know what? I know what everybody says, <laughs> but I'm going to try to wear my uh, turtleneck through this thing. What I posit is maybe the scientists are perbs. So I'm going yeah. in, in, in get denim. There. Get naked. Uh, see three, three or four women in this scene turn into Tex Avery cartoons. <laughs> just hooting and hollering, looking at but Arnold's like, wang. If you can send a whole robot, which is like flesh with, with metal on the inside, you can't also send like a duffel bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, make the duffel bag out of flesh if you need to. But <laughs> like, you can't find... Because what this means... Did you go Ted Levine right there? The first, oh, wait. Uh, I can do that. The first thing every Terminator has to do is find some humans to yeah. kill to steal their clothes. Yeah. That's, and, like, well, very that's, high profile. As we talked about, it dictates their personality. He went to a biker bar. Uh, the bad guy got a cop uniform. Oh, my God, the irony here. Yeah. It's making this movie. Not good enough to make it to the final round, of course. Okay, okay. <laughs> Keep everybody word. in order. Greg, the final nominee is Thelma getting absolutely okay. railed by a man named Brad Pitt. Now, mm-hmm. 
Perhaps some people would say, but doesn't he rip her off afterwards? But you have to understand, Brad Pitt is the pure, in this movie, he's like the pure cowboy. He's like a kind of spirit. He's kind of like an essence. It, his having sex with her is not in any way meaningful way related to his stealing from her. They are just enjoying each other's bodies. They're just going at it. And this is like, this is the first, last, and only time she experiences sexual Orgasm. pleasure. And if she doesn't get that, she's never going to get it in her entire life. She's never going to rob that 7-Eleven. Uh, also, based on her hair the next morning, if she knew ahead of time he was going to steal her money, I think she would have said, yeah, it's, yeah that's she cool. Honestly, him. ladies, ladies, let's get frank. Ladies, anyone who's into men, if uh, you know that Brad Pitt's going to rob you, but he's going to rail you first... It's okay to let him rob you. We're, this, co- we're, we're liberally covering our bases so hard. This is a hot scene. This isn't yeah. super cut 59-year-old handsome Brad Pitt. <laughs> this is fucking 21-year-old golden god Brad Pitt. Honestly, He's never I, still think, I still think old Brad Pitt is hotter. He's like more of a man, I, yes. I think. But... That's not who they had to have sex with in this, okay? All no. they had was Brad Pitt. But yeah, they, they, this they is like, like a legit... Can we get old Brad Pitt? And he's like, look, I'm sorry, but I'm young right now. <laughs> he, he, won't, he won't take off his clothes. He won't... Therefore, he can't travel through time. <laughs> I hope that one wins, though, because that's a legit... That's sex. It's, it's and hot. And it's good. Yeah, and it's hot. All right, your nominees are Adam's Family, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> good job, Disney. <laughs> uh, a Brighter Summer Day. Uh, Terminator 2 and Thelma and Louise. Is it a great time to talk about how Gaston's chest let a lot of people know they were gay? (laughs) Maybe this is not the climate for that. It's okay. I'm a teacher. Nobody cares what I say. All right. And the winner for best sex is every single thing Gomez and Morticia say to each other. That's a good winner. I'm sorry. If if we were recording this 10 years ago and we were all singletons, about the town, something else would have won. But yeah. that marriage, that marriage that we have, just, I mean, we're we're all Gomez's and Morticia's, just right? Just a sex-positive Mono- marriage? Yeah. Monogamy's hot if you and yeah. your spouse are hot. Like, I, can't, I can never get a little spotlight out of my eyes. I'm definitely yeah. a Morticia of my... <laughs> Is it the 1950s movie in here? Get it out of here. <laughs> well, congratulations to Gomez and Morticia. Feel free to come on down. Just chat it out. Does it feel like we should have cake? Like at a certain point during this big finale, shouldn't we all be eating a piece of cake? <laughs> Just one big piece of cake for all of us? Yeah. Well, if there was any category that was absolutely caked up, it was that last one. <laughs> when we come back, our final matchup of this first round. Our last matchup of this round is number three seeded Beauty and the Beast versus number 11 and second entry into our lost episode catalog, A Brighter Summer Day. Beauty and the Beast beat Angel at My Table, The Naked Gun Two and a Half, and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And a brighter summer day, it the it was lost to time. Oh, I wonder what it beat. We don't know what we'll it beat. We don't know. even know what it beat. That's we don't how know. Bad those technical we don't know. What we thought were. about it. Fans, can I just tell you how much we loved a brighter summer day? <laughs> like it would have been okay, I think, to lose the Adams Family episode. I think it would have been okay. Well, if there's not another episode, I think that it would have been okay. No, to I lose. think we could have lost the Terminator Two episode because of the amount that we talked about Terminator Two throughout In the every season. Every single, every single yeah. Yeah. we could have yeah. put together an episode. I may have been responsible <laughs> for that. There, I may have had a hand in that. In the history of movie of the year, I don't think there's a worse episode to have lost. Okay, because in part, because this is 1991, one of like 
I mean, Beauty and the Beast is not just one of 1991's biggest movies. It's like one of the biggest movies of all time. It changed the game. Nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Best movie, for an animated, animated movie. movie, right? Um, CGI 2, uh, along with T2, it, like, it, remember when the camera swoops in on their big dance? Again, big dance for, yeah. a really modest but very effective application of CGI. And when that happened, when like moving through the ballroom happened in the way that does in that movie, you felt like you were seeing something new and different yes. and like that the future... Like you are in part of the future, you and know. You're in the antechamber of the future at that moment. It's so fun to have them make it "quote unquote" live action 25 years later, and to have it look so flat and fucking stupid comparatively. Seriously, I still can't believe they made that movie, and then I can't believe we all went to see it. And, and then it, we came out, we were disappointed, and it was like, well, what do we expect? It, like, even if we were to say it doesn't hold a candle to "Brighter oh, uh, Summer Day," it damn, has Lumiere. Damn. But when I think of a brighter summer day. Um, there are like th- maybe three movies that I would never have watched if not for being on this show. Even if you said, Greg, I promise you these are the best movies you're ever going to see. Oh, I, fuck I, you. If it wasn't for the show yeah. and somebody recommended this movie to me, I would say fuck you to their face. Yeah. But like <laughs> this is a profound experience. Uh, and I thought about it constantly after watching it. I watched it twice, even though that's like the same as watching like four movies. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, you caught out a sick three days of work for, so you could watch it <laughs> twice. And, like, I'm changed having seen it. Uh, it, it. It showed me the world in a different way, and it showed me, like, movies in a different way, what they could be and, and what they could include. Uh, and it left me unsatisfied in so many ways that were intentional so that I would not stop thinking about it and not stop pursuing it. Because he's like... He's like movies; uh, they can't do everything. But then secretly, he's like, "But they can." Unless they, I can. wanted you to feel all these things. <laughs> I mean, you leave these really good movies, like so. Come and see would be another one of these. Um, it's, it, mirror, come and see. Yeah, okay, summer okay. day. I, 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 come there's on, this mirror. other class of film we watch almost, hopefully, at least once a season. And I, I think it's not a coincidence they are foreign films because they yeah. just have different tricks. And you're like, They're, oh, that's like some of the best art I've yeah. ever seen. Like that's like better than some of the best plays that I've seen or best novels I've read. Like this is not forget movies. This right. is like an amazing human achievement. Speaking of candles, I actually think in 75, we got two because we did. That was when we did Mir, Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we also got Barry Lyndon who loves to live in London. Um, <laughs> they have just like, we we're trying to figure out what 1975 is like. And then mm. had to deal with Muir and Barry Lyndon all in the same year. That was a lot. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it does open up to two. I totally get, having watched Brighter Summer Day, if you're like, Beauty and the Beast is the achievement. That does yeah. make sense to me. No, yeah, yeah, I get that, too. I mean, we haven't even, we haven't said anything about its music yet. And musically, oh. it is, like, the best Disney movie of all time. Yeah, the the the, the pound for pound songs crush most other Disney songs, I don't know if Even there's a real Even though Tarzan, all the songs were by Phil Collins. Yeah. Who? So, like, that should be, you know, Do you that shitty book, cop book from Hook. <laughs> 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 but it's also, it's, it's not just the ballroom scene looks phenomenal. The, uh, how they mix old, weird Disney abstract and be our guest with normal, yeah. like, we'll show you the characters. Disney, like, that also, they're like, we can elevate this to art. And, and woke for its time of being like, a bookish girl is also important. Even right, though there's it, problematic things now. And also, sort of, not totally, maybe not totally to the uh, the needs of a 2022 watcher, but sort of for the time, flip on its head of the 
damsel in distress. It has no agency whatsoever. Yeah. You know, it's it's it might not be as much as like Frozen did thirty years right. later, but Belle is, you know, like she uh, has control. a lot of agency. Yeah, she goes to save her dad. He is the damsel in distress, and she's like, "Nah, I got this." And then she learns pretty quickly she could leave almost anytime she fucking wants. The problem, I mean, the problem is that like the falling in love with your captor thing Mm -hmm. that doesn't look great but it looks pretty bad yeah it is hot though but it's wrong mike but it's very wrong and again maybe we shouldn't be spending so much time talking about how hot disney movies are in this current political hey we're not in florida we can talk about it i have to say i am worried about that thing i talked earlier where we go 1991 movie of the year brighter summer day this would be the one but like at the same time I couldn't imagine telling somebody that we like we have this movie podcast, and then we said that we thought Beauty and the Beast was a superior movie on any axes, really. You know, like I mean, it it, it just feels like you watch these two movies, and Beauty and the Beast could be as good as it is, and still like not. It's not a near thing for me. It's not like it's In, almost as good as Brighter Summer Day. It, do you think that there's a world where an animated film? That is a family film or kids film could take down an adult artistic film. Oh yeah, I do. I mean, I would bet more on like that upper echelon of Pixar more than I mm-hmm. would do this cell animation of Disney. But yeah, I think so. Like, I think Walt so could destroy animation. I, I guess if that's the accusation you want to throw at me, that's what you just said. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with Ryan, but it's not going to be when it's one of these life changing movies that change your relationship to cinema and art and everything like I mean, that. I think Wally is closer to Brighter Summer than I do than I think it's closer to Beauty and the Beast. And I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean Pixar uh, at their absolute best I I think makes life-changing movies. And but Beauty and the Beast for everything it does, it still to me ultimately ends up feeling like wow, that's a great technical achievement. Mm-hmm. For, for me, I'm sort of at the point where I'm like Hey, man, if Brighter Summer Day wins, then when you ask us what movie of the year is, it's just changed from when we started the podcast. Like, it used yes. to mean this one thing, and now it means the other. Because Brighter uh, Summer Day is Evolving is okay. But, and also, has it changed that much? The 99, the winner was... Um, Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut. Like, that's not, like, the biggest blockbuster movie. In the movie. year of the Matrix, Fight We've Club. We've never been for the people. Yeah. Now, we do have to pick, though. Uh, so, what is it going to be, Mike? Number three seed, Beauty and the Beast, or number 11 seed, A Brighter Summer Day. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is the first movie I remember seeing in theaters. I remember, even as a six-year-old boy, that I shouldn't show the enthusiasm <laughs> and power that it was washing over me. That you shouldn't uh, cut a hole in the bottom of the popcorn bucket. <laughs> right. And just put a ring pop on my dick and say there's a ring pop in this popcorn. Uh, that being said, I can't vote <laughs> against my guy, Cat. What a great transition. That being said. Having said that. Wow, way to derail myself. Uh, (laughs) That being said. That ring pop thing. There's a completely different. uh, I can't vote against my boy Cat and his love of Elvis or anything of the other amazing moments. I mean, you would think the only axes, Greg, that uh, Beauty and the Beast could win uh, or beat Brighter Summer Day on is music. And you got Mike's boy Cat fucking crooning the whole movie. It's hard. So, Ryan, do you agree that a brighter summer day should be the one that moves on? Yes, absolutely. Pretty big upset. That's the number 11 seed unseating the number three seed. Well, congratulations to a brighter summer day. How much farther can it go? I'm very interested to find out. But before we do that, 
it's time to talk about the best violence 1991 had to offer. All right, we've had our sex. Now it's time to have to, our violence. To eat it, too. <laughs> uh, we, every every season, we're, like, trying to scrape together what counts as sex. And then it's like we are trying to figure out only the peak violence, right, Ryan? Would you say that we were blessed with a lot of violence this uh, year? Yeah, but uh, not as much murder as I would have hoped. Um, like, for instance, Silence of the Lambs got zero nominations here. Wow. Really? Yeah. What about so, the one like the creepy like the guards are? I did want to ask you about that, Mike, because you and I loved. I won't say anybody else's name, but you and I loved the hanging guard, which was just Hannibal. This is what we see what the Hannibal that was on the NBC show of like yeah. I'm gonna take fucking time yeah. to it make a painting out of bodies. A Hermione's Bosch fucking <laughs> corner of one of his paintings. Anthony Hopkins put it in there. I think I was too disturbed by all the the Silence of Lamb stuff to like give, even though like it is a movie where violence is at the core. I don't know. I just I think I shied away from it. So much like best sex includes everything from uh like crazy finger banging to uh, a kiss under flashlight. For yo, for, that finger banging was crazy. <laughs> I wish that our great sex would be something or our best sex would be something like crazy finger banging. <laughs> we'll never get that from movies. Um, but best violence sort of covers everything. It's murders, it's death, but it's blood, it's action, it's all of it. Um, let's start off. Mike, the first nominee is the murder of a gang in Brighter Summer Day. It for talk about what you don't show is more yeah. powerful. They he just turns out all the lights every time right before another gang member is gonna get got, and it is it's so powerful. And the whole movie does that is what you see versus what you don't see and and what that says about everybody but it is for a movie that's like yeah but it's the 50s i mean they're a gang but are they really that scary yes they fucking are <laughs> they and they take out half the city there's no boot camp there's no training so how mm -hmm. how hardcore could they be right oh they could be hardcore this fucking effect of strobe lighting the camera yeah. drives me crazy and i can't believe uh i can watch a movie from 91 where maybe for all i know like everything i've seen since then has been copying this and right. it doesn't drive me crazy at all because it's not it's for the effect that the director intended instead of a director saying, like, I don't know, fucking turn the lights yeah. on and off. Also, the show. rather than every, like, strobe be, like, a cool pose, every time you see what's going on, it's just mad. Like, it's just, it's a, a, a crush of people and it's somebody yeah. falling and someone screaming. And so rather than, like, dramatizing the violence, it just makes it seem chaotic and, and terrible. And uh, also, like, with what the gangs are wearing and, like, the whole, like, culture question of, like, I don't even know what culture we are anymore. And then you see that mm -hmm. in this fight. Of who yeah. who do we murder and who are we, man? Sorry, Mike. Uh, I I also agree this should win. So me and you are on this one. Uh, Greg, is this the most iconic thing in pop filter history? It's Billy Cole murdering twenty five football players with a gun on the football field. I have to say, as I look back at this movie, a movie I saw a few times in my childhood, and I think of like certain parts of it. I think of three horribly violent things, and it's basically all I can remember. And the first one is yeah. I don't mean, say the other ones yet. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, uh, they might come yeah, on. Yeah, uh, uh, the ain't life a bitch? Isn't that what the line? Yeah. That like, yeah. I mean, that stuck with me when I was a kid. Like the you know, it is Billy Cole. It is. I, I I was like, I guess. I mean, after what you just fucking did. <laughs> sure. Wait, so. hold on. Let me write this down real quick. Uh, I have seen this movie once, and I, maybe I said this on the episode. I've seen this scene a thousand times because Ryan will just get up in the middle of the night and text it to me. So 
<laughs> it's a very impactful football. scene. Is football like the best sport to have a pistol during? Well, I, I mean, he uses it to great effect. I think it's the most accurate, and we did talk about this on the bonus show. Um, he was about to score that touchdown and then not yeah. get killed by the mobsters, but instead he decided to pull a gun out and just kill himself. That's football, baby. That is uh, concussions. That is brain CTE. damage. That is CTE. Where is Will Smith to figure this shit out? Probably slapping somebody, right? <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, if Greg, we know what that Take guy. the time to think of a joke right <laughs> well, there. <laughs> yeah, get that, my favorite actor's name out of your fucking that's mouth, That's the Ryan. best violence right there. Uh, Greg, let's just move right to the other part. It's uh, Bruce Willis pushes Chet's nose through his brain. How impactful was this on our lives? Uh, when I was a kid... Like the idea that you could break someone's nose and cause like the cartilage to go up into their brain, very that factored into a lot of stuff. It kept me from beating up people. Yeah, I was you gotta so be nervous careful. You gotta be careful, right? What if I just trip and fling my hand? I might kill my friend. Now we have found out later that it's not really possible in the way movies led us to believe. But what? I don't think it was ever done in any movie as effectively as this. He just does it in one quick move, shoves a guy's nose bone into his brain. And the guy just falls onto his butt and then falls over? No, uh, forward. Hits his knees oh, okay. and then falls to the ground. That's also got to hurt, but he's already dead. So a- probably And that was, uh, Mike, what's his name? Kim? Kim Coates? Kim Coates from Sons of Anarchy and yeah. uh, Van Helsing on Sci-Fi. Yep, <laughs> Van Helsing, now on Sci-Fi. Will you ever meet Van Helsing? No, you will not. <laughs> All right, so there, there's two Lost, uh, Last Boy Scout nominees and a Brighter Summer Day. Is there any other action movie that we are forgetting about? Is it hook? Hook, give us the hook. I, Rufio getting killed was too eligible. It was too, too sad. sad. Too uh, sad. It's too sad. Too real. I'm gonna give you guys both one, Mike. The truck chase, the L.A. River truck chase. It is so long, and also shows you the violence of the city and the lack of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, but the L.A. It's River Chinatown basically reduced to nothing. <laughs> to to it, it's not you're not it's not flash and bang the way like modern. Fast and Furious style car chase movies are, but like how much you see, and it's so brutal. And watching this big fucking truck demolish everything in his way versus this kid's little moped, it's so it's riveting. It's dope as hell. I respect so much the fact that in no Terminator movie does anybody ever get in a fast car. <laughs> I know. <too>. Nobody <laughs> one time ever. There will gets, be no drifting. Yeah, there's like no Corvettes, like not even like the mid tier fast cars. They're just like, get me the biggest, slowest fucking truck for this car chase. Which brings me to uh, what I was hoping to get nominated because it was something that isn't as memorable. But I, the, watching it recently, I loved it, was them in the gardener's truck yeah. with a helicopter yeah. behind them. How that is that is not as iconic? But, Greg, the fifth nominee is the steel mill. What are all of the elements that make the steel mill a nominee? Okay, well, uh, it's like got some of the best music cues. Um, we've got uh, like the, the liquid Terminator becoming as evil as he ever is and it like costing him. Like he starts taking mm-hmm. too much like sadistic pleasure, right? In in hurting humans, uh, and because he's we, supposed to be so methodical, right? And like he's just supposed mm-hmm. to like do what the numbers tell him to do. The amazing like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger getting his head smashed in by the the bar over time, but I think yeah. what like there's a lot going on in this scene: the falling into the molten lava, him like the T eight hundred being lowered into the lava and giving his thumbs yeah, up, thumbs up. But for me. <laughs> The most representative thing is Linda Hamilton with that pump action shotgun, just yeah. one arm, oh, yeah. uh, and like that is the that is like the kernel of that scene, which is the kernel of the movie, which is like the whole thing, right? And so for me, I was really and the music cues there, right? I mean, the music should is she just, have cocked it five times, just like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think she should have done the Superman thing where after like she realized it was uh, unloaded even though or it was empty, even though she had shot this guy like five times, she should just chuck the rifle at him. <laughs> just chuck the shotgun <laughs> at him. And let's point out that uh, Arnold being a little bit of a bitch in the uh, L.A. Ravine scene is doing the shotgun with the it's like the Hancock like, yeah. right by the trigger. Yeah. Linda Hamilton is using one arm with a full pump action. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, this is probably the most exciting part of the movie. All right, your nominees are uh, The Murder of a Gang from Brighter Summer Day, Billy Cole shooting a football team on, in The Last Boy Scout, <laughs> Joe pushes Chet's nose through his brain in The Last Boy Scout, The Steel Mill from Terminator 2, The Truck Chase from Terminator 2, and I'm going to throw in there the, the helicopter chase from Terminator 2. Why not? I can just add that in there, right? I th- if it wins, that's weird. I think on the <laughs> level of imagery, that's the best one. All right, here we go. Opening an envelope like a normal person. Are you from Kids in the Hall? Because I, fe- I hear some Dave Foley right now. <laughs> it is Daryl getting shot in Delma and Louise. Wait, hold on. Hold on one <laughs> second here. That's not what happened. We have a Warren Beatty fade Sarah, down away I'm sorry. It's the truck. It's the truck, Chase. T2, Judgment Day. And I assume this is the helicopter chasing the guard. That's the helicopter chase. chasing the truck. And then high-fiving <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> all right i don't know it just won <laughs> it is the t2 truck chase so the riverbed okay, good, truck good, chase good, good, was good. the actual uh yeah like uh, the arnold drop uh, driving off the bridge and then landing mm, on the ground yeah. and then i think most importantly is arnold perfectly shooting the locks of every gate that he goes through yes like yeah. there's so many another big one is the uh the the t1000 driving his truck under the bridge and it shears off the roof and the for a second they cut to eddie furlong and arch and they're both like whew yes yeah. he's gone you fucking morons and then he, and then he pops up and knocks the windshield out of his way well that is winner for best violence. The winners of our individual matchups were Science of the Lambs moving on, Thelma and Louise moving on, Barton Fink moving on, and A Brighter Summer Day moving on. That is our final four. This is nuts. Among those four is 1991's Movie of the Year. And you can check that out next week when we tell you our last Moody winners and our overall winner for Movie of the Year. But until then, do me a favor, won't you? And keep watching them movies.